0: This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets.
1: Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 5th of January, 2023. Markets chopping around without a lot of conviction here, at least in the case of the U.S. equity market. I put up on slide two, perhaps this equity market is waiting for some data. Maybe it's data trigger happy. We do have some important data coming up, as we'll talk about later with the U.S. jobs report. Yesterday, we did get a decent um, uh, jolt survey. Uh, I think we've got a chart on that later in this uh, slide deck coming in uh, with uh, growth in job openings. It, it is back in November, but still it's a data point the market reacts to uh, relative to a multi-hundred-thousand uh, job opening decline expected. We also had the ISM manufacturing these uh, employment sub-index there. Even though the overall level was around what was expected, just below 49, um, the manu- uh, sorry the employment index coming in at 51.4, that's the highest in four months. And that's despite news like uh, Amazon apparently laying off 18,000 uh, uh, people after overexpanding from the pandemic stimulus. That was more than was uh, originally expected. So. We have the market chopping around here, Peter. I'm not uh, sure if you're pulling anything interesting out of uh, sort of the intermarket action. Second trading day of the year for the U.S. yesterday.
2: Mm, you can say that the sign or trend that is emerging is that e-commerce and then China is doing better than uh, what you could maybe have expected. It's already a pretty sizable gain there in our e-commerce basket, which you can see on slide two, up 6.6% as of yesterday's closing prices. A little bit at odds with the bubble stocks because those two baskets were highly correlated last year. And what has happened this year is that, and we'll talk about it later in the podcast, Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce names are flying for different reasons, but they are flying. And we will talk about Amazon as well because that stock of obviously sitting in the in the e-commerce basket and maybe potentially one of the answers to the, to the e-commerce. One thing is that it was the worst theme last year. So there's always a rebound for the worst performing themes because it can get even worse than it already was priced in but i think it's the combination of e-commerce company slashing cost employees so that's good on the cost side prices are getting sticky and if inflation is rolling over just a little bit and you can keep your prices stable that creates a spread of widening profitability for your e-commerce company and then if freight prices on containers are also coming down bottlenecks are, are eased then i think you have a a triple combination of good things happening for e-commerce. So maybe, maybe it's just a theme that uh, that will uh, that will that will have some legs and, and can carry on. Let's see. All right, and then as uh, we just briefly discussed, we put in the chart there on slide
1: three, the JOLTS indicator coming in stronger than expected. It is a key component of what the Fed is looking at. They broke down inflation to three uh, buckets, and the key bucket that is driving uncertainty is. Uh, the uh, labor market and specifically the strength of the services sector, which is very employment intensive. So we need to watch these data points, uh, of course, in coming days, the, I think the services and labor market stuff is the most sensitive area for this market. And we have all of that basically tomorrow with the ISM services survey for December and the job survey for December.
2: And, and it's important as well to say that this specific indicator we have put in on slide three is the one that was mentioned by Powell in one of his speeches, which is the total number of job openings in the U.S. economy scaled with the uh, with the uh, number of uh, of unemployed people in the economy. So it tells you a little. It tells you a little bit about mm-hmm. the demand. Oh, sorry, the supply available, supply, and then scaled with. Or then, and then, sorry, in relative to how many people. Oh, sorry, how many job postings there are And as you can see here, the job market is still extremely red hot, and it's it's significantly more red hot than it was uh, in the on the back end of the .dot com, which was a very hot job market back then in the U.S. And I think this is one of those indicators that that are suggesting that the uh, wage pressures will continue to be uh, quite significant in the U.S. And
1: that whole point that uh, several million, three and a half million, I think, uh, if memory serves, have supposedly permanently left the uh, labor force in uh, the U.S. All right. In the FX space, I think a couple of interesting things to pull out here. Roll forward to slide four. You can see dollar yen coming back quite strongly. I think uh, what this uh, move is emphasizing is that the huge sell-off there, the huge rally in the Japanese yen, really got about all it could out of the situation and the Bank of Japan's uh, marginal shift in the direction of tightening. I think for the yen to get stronger from here, you're gonna need to see uh, a more significant impulse from global rates. So those continuing lower, perhaps uh, even posting some new cycle lows. We've really thoroughly uh, repriced dollar yen and now it's going to be up to the big scenario from here. Are we headed towards uh, more disinflation a global recession? Lower rates, that is the only yen positive scenario I see. Or will inflation remain a bit sticky? Uh, and in that case, I think the Bank of Japan underperforms <clears throat> in terms of what tightening it could bring relative to uh, the rest of the world's central banks. So that's, uh, I think, an interesting uh, sort of emphasis of that 130 level in dollar yen. It breaks above, well, let's call it 134 to 134.50. Uh, we could even be into a bigger range expansion uh, much higher still here in, in the next uh, few weeks. Other things to pull out. So we have sterling uh, quite weak still. Aussie trying to uh, maintain its strength uh, on the back of that uh, coal import news. But as I wrote in, the, um, in my FX update yesterday, uh, the coal import news being that China is considering uh, allowing coal imports from uh, Australia, that a lot of the coincident indicators you would need to sort of see helping the Aussie out are not there so copper is still rather defensive the whole metals complex not very inspiring for uh, for Aussie but uh but gold is still quite bid uh, even and crude oil
0: is weak uh, hitting some of the uh, certainly the
1: noki the hardest
0: yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted uh, John because we obviously see the loss of momentum there in the Nokia. Your Nokia has uh, spiked higher this week. Uh, we're seeing so uh, major energy come like uh, Equinor coming under some uh, significant selling pressure as well, and we got this uh, continuous slump in gas prices. So I suppose it's all energy related that we're seeing this uh, this weakness. Well, it's corona. it's
1: it's a double whammy because you have the energy side really, of course, very negative for Nokia. But on, on the other side, you also have a a noise bank which has been very dovish relative to a suddenly hawkish ecb so i think just the market poorly positioned for for that trade um and and you're hitting some important levels
0: here but to the upside exactly but you're right uh, we have we've had some strong momentum in, in gold prices this week uh, we're seeing that starting to fade somewhat i put out a note yesterday just highlighting the risk of these uh, these trading actions at the start of the new year where where uh, two things at play. Traders are worried about losing a direction. At the same time, they're basically fear of messing up. At the same time, all, their trader conviction also tends to be a bit on the low side because it, there's always a lot of shenanigans uh, happening at the start of uh, any new trading year. So so just a little bit of a cautionary note on that front. We're seeing gold prices trade lower today. But uh, we also have to remember it can drop all the way back down to eighteen hundred, eighteen oh five. Without changing the uh, the the overall direction of the market, so probably a market that needs some to consolidate in the in the short term. And then, uh, Ola, this uh, this is a big move in crude. What's going on here? This is a
1: a very ugly drop in crude oil prices to start off the new year. Is this the market trying to make a forward uh, forecast on the economy, uh, or is this the mild weather? What's what's going on?
0: It's a combination of several things. First of all, the the, the overall narrative is, is the slowdown in all uh, the virus outbreaks in China, which is keeping demand uh, pretty weak there for the time being. It's the global growth outlook, which is obviously also attracting a lot of attention. But I think just uh, more simple terms it's simply just traders uh, reacting to the technical outlook. We saw that break of the up the uptrend early in the week. It drew quite a significant amount of selling. Into that, we just have to remember that December was actually a month where where hedge funds built up long positions, both in WTI and Brent. The total net went up by around 28%, especially in Brent crude, where we saw the biggest net addition to length uh, just before New Year. In 17 months, so um, so a lot of recent established long, longs that needed to be adjusted. I think that's pure. This is pure. Most of this is just down to a uh, to to trading position adjusting, um, trying to find the right direction. So I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see this market find some support fairly soon, um, and then just basically trade trade the range while we wait for further news from China. And I just want to add, uh, we got the inventory report out to date. Um, I'm not putting too much uh, focus on it because we had this extreme cold weather, cold blast in the U.S. just around Christmas, so it may have upset some of the uh, some of the the numbers, especially refinery demand. Obviously, slowed because some of the refineries uh, uh, slowed down, and also we had uh, production sites uh, struggling to produce. or also, so maybe that the, the report is probably not going to be have, or not going to have much of an impact. And then just to finish off the commodity sector, just a, a quick look over towards the agricultural sector where, everything's are, where where most things are under control right now in, in, in terms of food security. We've got lower prices, especially in wheat, where just like oil, we've seen quite a significant drop this week. Again, technical, some of that technical related, we've had an uptrend since the uh, start of December, so quite significantly how many of these markets just tend to replicate each other right now. But um, the, the overall problem for, for wheat, especially the, the region from the U.S., is the fact we have abundant supply coming out of the Black Sea. We just, um, we just had some of the official reports from Russia. We had a record production last year. We got We're probably going to see a record amount of export during the first quarter. At the same time, with Black Sea supplies from uh, Ukraine still still flowing uh, at, at, a, at a good rate, we basically have, have abundance of supply. So that's p- putting prices on the pressure, especially in the U.S., where they're struggling to compete uh, with these uh, cheap prices that's coming out of uh, out of Russia and Ukraine. I'm well, thankful for that to
1: see grain prices not uh, uh, realizing that terrible scenario everybody was fearing about, at least so far, uh, from the outbreak of war in Ukraine, a major exporter. All right, uh, let's. Uh, I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, Peter, the uh, Amazon looking to fire more people than expected, and that this was a uh, actually seen apparently as good news. You know, apparently, the stock was up a decent amount
2: after hours. Yeah, <clears throat> but look at that. Uh, look at that chart on slides. It's not a pretty one. No, it's not a pretty one. Uh, what a hangover from the boom days of the pandemic. I showed in some of my equity notes um, last year how. Amazon in, in when you looked at their capital expenditures significantly deviated from the long-term uh, trend in 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 that in that account and and you're seeing the hangover. I mean they they clearly overemployed, and that was also Mark Benioff, the the founder, co-founder and current CEO of Salesforce, without saying we basically overemployed people and falsely recognized or forecasted the uh, the incoming slowdown in the economy, and, and here we are. I think how much of a slowdown is it really versus just a massive change in valuation to an interest rate shock? I mean, sometimes I, I wonder, these CEOs, I think they get a lot of things uh, wrong also in their commentaries. But regardless, I think the, the interesting signal here from Amazon and Salesforce from a market perspective is, will companies be rewarded over a couple of weeks with a strong trend in the share price from laying off all these people? Or is it just a one-off? I think that's the question, and we'll 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 have to judge and see that in the weeks to come. In UK, we have Next, which is um, an online postal order company. Uh, at least originally, they they have a lot of uh, online sales as well, and 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 what have you. And they are six percent. They're raising their fiscal year earnings guidance, and they're seeing stronger than expected sales. I think that's uh, pretty. Pretty interesting case, given all the gloom and doom headlines coming out of the UK and, and troubles for the households over there, etc. So very strong, very strong start to to the year here for Next, and then Alibaba. Another day on the close up in Hong Kong trading. We we had that policy shift that and We talked about it in a, in our in one of our first podcasts of the year that and Capital. Sorry, that and Group, which is the payments arm of Alibaba, their financial payments arm. Was allowed by policymakers to do a capital increase, and I think it's paving the way for an IPO later, maybe later this year, if the conditions are right and they can meet certain conditions as well from the from the regulators. I will say though that even though momentum, if you look at the close prices, uh, are still intact. <clears throat> if you look at the intraday pricing uh, price action in Hong Kong, it was not a pretty one on the uh, on the candle on the on the candle chart there so um maybe it's already fading we'll have to see but uh, I'm, I'm just putting it out there so you have it on the radar things are changing it feels like things are changing in China and in terms of the earnings we we've talked about it for a couple of uh, for a couple of podcasts now there's nothing really new to report here on uh, on earnings It's still Walgreens and Conagra brands that we're looking at and they will report uh, later today and I think that brings us to the uh, to the macro calendar, John.
1: Yeah, so it gets a bit more interesting today because we have a couple of data points worth. Uh, it may be worth a market reaction. Um, December ADP private payrolls change. If there's a big surprise there, that survey, by the way, has has been pretty consistent in its drop from from last. Let's call it late spring, uh, dropping into the well below 200k. This uh, this one today is expected at 150k. I think it was 127k in November. So. Uh, interesting to see if that trend uh, continues. There's been a lot of discussion in the official data that the household survey, which only asks, "Are you employed or are you not employed?" So it doesn't double count if you have two jobs, which many people uh, unfortunately do in the U.S. That one has been quite weak for some time, but the non-farm payroll, non-farm payrolls, has been uh, still relatively resilient. The non-farm payrolls out on Friday or tomorrow, expected at plus 200k. Uh, we also get the weekly uh, claims data. To my mind, I want to see this claims, if we're supposedly heading into a recession, you would seem you would want to see this, you wouldn't want to see this, <laughs> who wants to see a recession? But it, you would expect to see this at maybe hitting above 250K on a, on a sustained basis for several weeks. We just haven't gotten there. There was a false signal earlier this year, and that sort of uh, flattened back out. So we're still expecting around this 225, which in historical terms, just like that JOLT survey, suggests a very tight labor market uh, with uh, so few claims uh, out there. Uh, and then, yes, it's all about tomorrow with uh, with this ISM services data and the jobs and especially perhaps average hourly earnings data. If there's a surprise there, wages will be a key component of any inflationary risk from here. So I'll we'll be watching out for that. And then uh, just uh, uh, continue to track this House Speaker problem in the in the Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives. Very interesting. Three more failed votes yesterday, I believe it was, by Kevin McCarthy. Do we see a compromise candidate towards the center that somehow the Democrats can get on board with? Or do the Republicans have to revisit who their nominee is, and it has to be somebody that uh, sort of tilts more towards the Trumpists, more confrontational, you know, blow up the uh, swamp uh, type of candidate? I think it's very interesting for this coming debt ceiling debate uh, in situation there, which is very critical and can be very important uh, for liquidity if they take it to the wire and there's brinksmanship around that. So just uh, an interesting uh, issue to follow. For now, I think uh, I think the markets do feel like they're still trying to find their feet for this year, awaiting signals from incoming data. Uh, the Fed doesn't have a clue. Its models are broken. Uh, I think that'll be one of our themes for the coming Q1 Outlook. Uh, I think is there's a lot of people stumbling around in the dark here for, for themes and uh, uncertain about what this year will bring. So let's see what it does bring. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions... Reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo
0: Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com.